0: What's happening, guys? Thanks as always for downloading and listening to this week's podcast. If you haven't already, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You want a free koozie? I can get you that. All you got to do is screenshot that rating and review. Email it to me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We will get it right in the mail. We'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the show. Bye. Safety's dropped really deep, handoff, Sermon over the left side, big hole, 30, first down, 25, 20, breaks a tackle, 15, 10, 5, the minister is into the end zone, preach! Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle, it's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone! He juggled it for a moment, but got it back, pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman! There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse 25-20. 15-10-5 20, to the goal line touchdown. 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion. They fake to him. Hand to Hicks. He'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter. And the Horned Frogs now go up 13 to 7. We welcome you back in, Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks as always for joining us for another week of the show. It's great to be here with you, and we're still in that lull in college football, but guess what? we got about five weeks left until Big 12 Media Days. I'll be down there, our staff will be down there, myself, Matthew Postons, Derek Duke, Dave Beal, we're all going to be in Frisco, Texas for Big 12 Media Days coming up in just over a month from now. And that's really when the season gets uh, juiced up and gets going. Because then we got some storylines to bring you and all that good stuff. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun once we get to Big 12 Media Days in Frisco, Texas. So looking forward to that. Appreciate you guys joining us. If you're new to the show, heartlandcollegesports.com, our independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Nobody is doing what we are doing on the web with the amount of original content we're bringing you about the Big 12. So thanks, as always, for uh, being part of the show. Let's dive right into what was another good week for the conference, and here's why. Big 12 has two teams now playing in the College World Series, Texas and Texas Tech. We're going to be joined by Cam Brock. He's our baseball insider in less than 10 minutes here to talk about these two teams, talk about the College World Series and how they got here and all that good stuff. But what it means And I put this up on Twitter, and I put it up on Facebook, just search Heartland College Sports. The Big 12 is the only conference in America to have a team in the college football playoff, to have a team in the Final Four, and to have a team in the College World Series. Only conference in America to accomplish all of those three things. Nobody else can say that. And to think about where this conference was just what, three, four short years ago, when it was Big 12's dead, Big 12's irrelevant, it's all about the power four, there is no power five anymore. Well, who's getting the last laugh? I'm just asking who's getting the last laugh here. Now, you want to say, well, the Big 12 hasn't won a college football playoff game. We can get into semantics, we can do that. And yes, the Big 12 from a recruiting perspective has not had a good stretch, although we've talked ad nauseum about how that is starting to turn as well over these past couple of years, thanks to the likes of not just Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman, but also what you're seeing from Matt Rule and Matt Campbell. So there's reasons to believe that those things on the football field that have held them back, notably some meat on the defensive line, is starting to turn. So the Big 12 can beat The best of the Big 12 can beat the best in the SEC, even though we've seen that happen before. Let's not forget that Sugar Bowl game for OU against Auburn a couple of years ago. That turned out pretty well for the Big 12. So this is the latest example of how this conference in the three major sports, football, basketball, and baseball, is as healthy as it's been in a decade And there's just nobody out there that's going to convince me otherwise. I'm sorry, they're not going to do it. You add all this news, you add all this on-field success to the fact that you had a great year for revenues between the increases in TV, the college football playoff money for OU that was distributed to the rest of the conference, the Big 12 championship game being another new revenue stream, Tier 3 rights increasing, all of these things are positives for the conference in a massive way and are continuing to trend this conference in an upward direction. And you can't say that about all the conferences. You cannot do it. And I love listening. You know, I listen to other shows and other podcasts, and I'm not going to specifically call out another show or another podcast. I've done it before. I don't want to do it to these guys because I like them, but they're a very popular show. And, they said this. I was listening to them a couple weeks ago, and they said, well, you know, college football playoff this year, it's, it's going to be. We know it's going to be. A Clemson, Alabama, and then the Big Ten champion, and then the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are an at-large team is battling for that fourth spot. I mean, we know that much. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this obsession with the Big Ten? Somebody explain it to me. Yeah, Ohio State is really good. Penn State, I got to see a little bit more from James Franklin's resume before I just say that, you know, he's got a a college football playoff contender year in, year out. Is that unreasonable to make that assessment and to say that? Let's dive into something else. okay? Michigan, there has been no bigger underachiever over the past several years, especially the last couple of years with Jim Harbaugh than the Michigan Wolverines. The last couple of years, this guy's entered with college football playoff hopes, and he never gets there. Not only that, he never beats Ohio State. And the Big Ten, every time it makes the college football playoff outside of the first year, it gets blown out, right? Those are the numbers. It gets blown out every year. Two years ago, it was Clemson blasting Ohio State 31-zip. The year before that, it was Alabama crushing Michigan State 38-0. Why do we give... Somebody explain, why do we give the Big Ten the benefit of the doubt? Oh, it went 7-1 in bowl games last year. Did you know that in those bowl games last year, the Big Ten was favored in seven of their eight bowl games where they went 7-1? and only the, the only underdog for the Big Ten in that bowl season was Purdue against Arizona. Let's actually put all the facts together and get everything lined up before we start praising the Big Ten. I think it's come a long way. I think the Big Ten East especially is a very good division. I really believe that. But I also believe the Big Ten West generally stinks. It's Wisconsin and a bunch of mediocre teams at best. Maybe that changes with Scott Frost in Nebraska. But there's also, with 14 teams in the conference, man, and this is what the Big 12 doesn't get credit for, there are so many bottom feeders. In the Big 12, you got one bottom feeder. Kansas. And God willing, someone's going to turn that damn thing around soon. I don't know if it's David Beatty or not, but someone's going to turn that thing around at some point. And that's why it's so difficult for a team like Kansas to get out of the basement because you're playing a round robin schedule year in, year out. It's not like in these other conferences where, you know, oh, I'm avoiding Alabama this year. Great. I get to replace Alabama with old Miss. That's a nice break for a team in the scheduling. You don't have that in the Big 12, and the conference does not get the credit for that that it should. The round robin is the truest form of finding a conference champion. On top of that, it makes for the most difficult schedule. You don't get to avoid teams in certain years. You don't get scheduling breaks. You're playing everybody year in, year out. And finally, I think people are waking up to that fact, but it's happening very, very slowly. And that's frustrating and that is disappointing in many ways. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Great to be here with you. Something else to touch on. I want Texas to be good. I have said that time and time again. I want Texas to be really good. But it's amazing to me. The wise guys in Vegas, they love the Longhorns this year. The spreads have flipped on a couple of key Texas games already The USC game, they went from a slight underdog to a slight favorite. And the OU game, the Red River Shootout, they opened up as a 12-point dog. They're now a five-point dog. So wise guy money is going in on Texas. And all I'm going to say is, can we see it first? Is that too much to ask that we actually see it and witness it with our own two eyes? Let's not get caught up in some of the things that we read and we hear every year in June about how this is the year Texas is going to be improved. Do I want them to be better? I do. If Texas is good, that's good for the Big 12. And I know there's going to be TCU fans and Tech fans and OU fans that are going to bitch about it. But here's the thing, guys. You got to understand, if the flagship programs in a conference are good, the conference gets more notoriety, more primetime action, and it also helps from a trickle-down effect on the recruiting trail. All of a sudden, a school like Texas Tech can say, hey, you know what? We got OU, we got Texas in our conference. These are national title contenders. Join our conference. You're going to be in prime time multiple times a year. And you're going to get a chance to beat the big dogs. I think that could be a recruiting trip or a recruiting chip on a trickle-down level. But that being said, I am not dumping a ton of money into Texas exceeding expectations this year. I'm not going to do it. They lost a lot on that defense, and I love Todd Orlando, but he's going to have a lot of new pieces to work with, and they're going to be relying on some pretty young players. On top of that, the offense, I'm concerned about the O-line. I believe Ellinger is a pretty good quarterback. I don't have specific proof of that yet. I mean, it was a shaky up-and-down season in 2017. I know he was a true freshman last year, but I got to see a little bit more. And then also, how much better is Colin Johnson at wide receiver and some of those guys? Do they have the pieces at the running back position? And is it a talent issue at running back or is it an offensive line issue? I, I, I want to see more from all of those guys specifically on that side of the ball. So I hope Texas is much improved. I really hope they are competing for a Big 12 championship in November because if they're in the hunt down the stretch, it's great for the conference. At the same time, I'm not going to buy into the hype just yet. Maybe as we get closer to the season, I'll be preaching a different tune. And when we get to the Big 12 media days and we get to talk to Coach Herman and some of the players and get a more personal perspective on what's going on, I might feel differently. But right now, I can't do it. I cannot go there just yet. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, coming up Let's talk some Big 12 baseball. Two teams in the College World Series, Texas Tech along with Texas. Our own Cam Brock is going to join us. Break down these two teams in the College World Series. All that more right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo continuing on Heartland College Sports Weekly. And uh, what a week it was for the Big 12 on the baseball scene. Two teams make the College World Series, Texas and Texas Tech. And we now say hello to Cameron Brock, who you've read on the website. He's done a fantastic job on the baseball front. And you heard him last week on the show as well. So, Cam, I know you thought this might be a bit of a down year for Big 12 baseball once the season got going. But you've got to believe and you've got to say, you know, two of nine teams in the College World Series are pretty good turnout.
1: Yeah, it's actually the highest percentage out of any conference uh, in the nation with over 22% of the teams. Uh, The SEC does have the most teams at three, but they also have 14 teams playing. So uh, they're at 21%. So, yeah, you get the highest percentage. I think that's your goal, uh, most teams per capita.
0: Cam, when you look at these two teams in particular, let's start with uh, Texas. Of course, David Pierce comes in. A lot of people didn't want this Texas jobs from reports we heard. But, you know, now he's got this team back where people and fans expect it to be in the College World Series. How good of a job was this this year for David Pierce?
1: David Pierce has done an extremely
0: uh, amazing job. He,
1: in just two years, he's taken them to the College World Series, their 36th appearance. Uh, this is a Texas program that has by far more college World Series appearances than any other school in the nation. And the SEC is generally known as the best baseball conference. That tells you how great of a program Texas is. They've had um, Ron Gardenhider, who's now in the MLB, coached them. They've had Augie Garrido, who took them to a national championship. This team has won the two two most recent uh, national titles, in the Big 12 in 2005 and 2002, and they just keep going to the to Omaha. So um, David Dears uh, took a team that was on the decline, uh, gave it a reboot, and now they are thriving with confidence, and they, they could be that team that goes all the way and wins the national title.
0: Joined by Cameron Brock, you hear him all the time, you read him all the time on heartlandcollegesports.com talking a little college baseball, specifically a Big 12 baseball. So, Cam, out of these two teams, which one is more likely to make a and potentially win this whole thing?
1: It's definitely Texas. Um, Texas Tech really suffered in their national title hopes. I've been saying this all season, they're going to be a, an Omaha contender, but not a national championship contender. And the reason being is, when you lose your ace and Steven Gingry, a guy who probably should have been a first-round pick, um, was 2017 National Pitcher of the Year. I mean, that's just a huge blow. And they didn't have the depth to replenish his talent. When you look at Texas, they have more depth in the pitching rotation. Uh, when you get to Omaha, that's when your midweek starters are going to have to step up and pretend that they're actually rotation guys. A guy like Nico O'Donnell, who most people never even heard of. He has a 478 ERA, so ouch right there. But he's made seven starts, 12 appearances, gone 32 innings. He's a guy that Texas is going to need to step up to fill up some of these innings because in a two-week span, you're doing a 14 bracket. And then if you win the bracket, you're playing in a three-game three series against the other best team in the nation. So there's got to, got, got to be a lot of pitching depth. And, of course, Texas also has just enough offense. Tech has all the offense in the world, but how, they, how
0: is their pitching depth going to get through this grind? Cameron Bach joining us, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Cam, when you look at the College World Series, the field in particular, and, and let's talk a little bit about you know, how this plays out. And, and don't get too much into the semantics of it, but we know it's a, it's a bit of a complicated system in determining a champion. Do you like the system they have in Omaha, or do you want to see some tweaks?
1: I actually love the system. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's unique to college baseball because it is double elimination. In in baseball, you can't just be one game, single elimination. It doesn't work that way because you have so many pitchers. You have your lefties, you have your righties, you have your situations. So double elimination doesn't force too many games, but at the same time, it does give each team a chance to show off their depth, their talent. So double elimination, perfect. And then you have the three game series at the end to cap it all off.
0: Cam, with these two managers, Pierce and Tadlock, you know they—they they both had a couple of uh, stumbling blocks to overcome uh, this year. Who do you think did the better job coaching?
1: Oh, that's tough to say. I—I'd go with Tadlock, um, simply because, I mean, eleven MLB draft picks uh, out in West Texas, a program that's never been to Omaha before until he gets there, and now he's been there three times, and he just, he's turned that program into, it's going to be here for years to come, and he is going to be a legend, he's a legend in the making, he's hes going to in my opinion, surpass Mike Martin uh, for most wins over the career, and of course, Tech has had one of those, and Larry Hayes uh, having the most wins over a career span, but Tim Tadlock he might be the best coach of all time.
0: That's saying something. And, and Cam, I want to also touch on this, you know, uh, Texas Tech. And, and when you look at this program, baseball is on the right path. Basketball is in a great position with Chris Beard. I mean, those two programs are in very good shape right now. Got to get the football program lined up. Uh, how's that going to turn around?
1: Well, um, Kirby Hoka has done a tremendous job as athletic director, and that's exactly his role is to be the director of the athletic department. The football team, I think when he stepped in, he understood that it was going to decline. So he made a home run hire to get donations poured in in and and Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff hasn't brought in the results that uh, the entire fan base has wanted, but he did bring in those donations and turned around the athletic department, which if you looked at all the programs outside of football, they have been pretty downtrodden women's basketball national championship program. It's been on a steady decline for decades. Um, The baseball team went from Larry Hayes to not making a NCAA tournament appearance under Dan Spencer. Um, The basketball team, they we the bottom feeder of the Big 12. Uh, it, it was a pretty rough time for Texas Tech Athletics when Kirby Hoke had stepped in. He's turned around the non-revenue sports. He's turned around men's basketball. And now, uh, if Kingsbury does not make it to next season, I can see Hope making a home run higher in football. I think he does it. Um, he's, a, he's a talented athletic director, and he knows – how to make the
0: right moves. Well, he's Cam Brock. You hear him and you read him all the time. Cam, always great to chat with you. Looking forward to the College World Series, and we'll talk soon.
1: All right. Sounds good. Let's watch some baseball.
0: Coming up next, our final few thoughts. Cliff Kingsbury, Kansas State, Iowa State, all that and more here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So a few final thoughts to wrap up the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo with you, and uh, always appreciate you being a part of the show. Let me let me touch on this here. I was thinking about Matt Campbell the other day. I promise not in a weird way, but just thinking about the Iowa State Cyclones and what's to come here for this team moving forward and, and the future of this program, which did have some coaching changes in the offseason. Tom Manning's no longer the offensive coordinator. He's joined the Indianapolis Colts. So there are changes there that a lot of people don't necessarily maybe realize or know about. And after the 8-5 and year last year, that team had so many perfect leaders on it and guys in the right place at the right time, two top five upsets. It's the kind of season that you dream of if you're Matt Campbell. Now his first year there, we saw all these close losses by a touchdown or less. So we knew there would be some improvement, right? We understood that was probably going to happen. I don't know if anybody predicted eight and five and a couple of top five wins. I, I don't know who did. It certainly wasn't me. But what does Matt Campbell have to do to feel like this program is still trending in the right direction. I I just believe that's bull eligibility. That can be six and six in a very deep Big twelve. In a Big Twelve where he's losing guys like Alan Lazard and he's losing guys like Joel Lanning. Yeah, Kyle Kemp's coming back. I think Kyle Kemp's a nice quarterback. Uh, Kyle Kemp's not going to win you a Big 12 championship. He's not. I mean, as good as he was in moments last year, he was also pretty bad at times. They won that TCU game because of the defense, not because of Kyle Kemp or anything he did. So I'm pumping the Kyle Kemp breaks a little bit. I want to see the pieces on the offensive line come together after guys like Jake Campos are gone. But if this team can make a bowl game, I don't think that Matt Campbell loses an ounce of momentum from where this team has been this offseason. Not at all. I don't believe that for a second. Now, Texas Tech, people ask me all the time, what's Cliff Kingsbury got to do to keep his job? It's got to be a bowl game, right? It has to be. And their non-conference has Ole Miss and Houston. Now, Houston, everybody thinks of Ed Oliver, the star defensive tackle who could be the number one pick in next year's draft. But there are a lot of holes around that team for Major Major Applewhite. That being said, he's also got a guy now in Kendall Bryles running his offense who, you know, knows Cliff Kingsbury and knows the Big 12 really well. So that's an interesting matchup. Ole Miss is down. We know that there's a lot of problems there coming off of those sanctions and all the issues that, you know, they were put in under Hugh Freeze. So. That's a program that's certainly not where it was a couple of years ago. But I gotta believe that if tech can't go two and one in the non-conference, and they've gotta do that because then that gives them a little bit of wiggle room to go four and five and still make a bowl game. I don't see how Kingsbury keeps the job. I'm sorry, and I know he's the hometown guy, and I know he brought it you know, he was brought in there and he gave that program a, a jolt of energy but my goodness, at what point do you go from being the hometown kid of the feel-good story to having to win football games? I mean, where is that line? To me, it's got to be this year. It can't be this slow rebuild year after year, and he's coaching for his job every time. I mean, you can't have it anymore. At some point, you got to feel good about where the program is going, and I respect Cliff Kingsbury, and I want him to succeed, but I also realize that Texas Tech, the athletic department here, and Kirby Hokut's running a business. And if you don't think your business is trending in a direction to be profitable, then you got to make changes. That's it. And whatever goodwill Cliff Kingsbury brought to the job, he got paid very handsomely to do it. He's made a nice career doing it. But it doesn't give you a lifetime get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't work that way. Our last team I want to hit on here are Kansas State and Bill Snyder. Do I think Bill Snyder's walking away after this year? Unless this team wins a Big 12 championship and comes out of nowhere. And I'll be honest, it feels like that kind of year for Bill Snyder and the Wildcats. I saw the spring game. I love the offense. I have concerns about the secondary and the defense. But overall, I feel good about that program right now. And in a wide open year in the Big 12, why not the Wildcats, right? Why not them? It just has that kind of feel for Bill Snyder and his wildcats. It really does. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place here on Heartland College Sports Weekly..
1: country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.